podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. We're called Whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need Robin stealing. Welcome to The Whistleblowers. My name's Stuart Wright. And today, if you sign up and deposit up to £50, Labrooks will put the same amount into your account, giving up to £50 worth of free bets. Follow the link in the show notes, bet.thewhistleblowers.net. Right then, on to the show. Who have we got with us today? we got two newbies with us today. We've got Arsenal season ticket holder, Chloe Tron. Hello, Chloe. Hello. We've got Evertonian, Andrew Burns. Hello, Andrew. Hello, mate. Good to see you. Good to see you too. And regular and Arsenal fan, Marcus Shepherd. You all right, sir? I'm good. Yeah, very good. I, I feel like there's, having two Arsenal fans feels a bit unfair for the other <laughs> I'm sure I'll, I'll try and it's be just, d- devil advocate. That's the least of the Evertonians' worry. Just like having a game and playing. Don't worry. Uh, before we go into any detail about the football, what's been happening... Um, Andrew, you're involved with a documentary about Chris Farlow. Chris Farlow, for those... is an Arsenal fan, incidentally. Is he? Yeah, he weirdly, is. that's what... He's massive Arsenal Islington, fan. isn't he? He is, yeah. yeah proper right. But also, the, the fact that I learned talking to you about this is he was number one when England won the World Cup with his... He was, yeah. Um, 1966. 1966. Um, out, out of time, written for him by uh, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards from uh, the Rolling Stones. Well, that um, beat combo. <laughs> what happened to them, eh? I don't know. So where are you with the, with the documentary at the moment? Uh, we are in the editing stage but we get asked this regularly for those who don't know and don't know about the film who you probably wouldn't um, it's been an on-running project for about six years now um, uh, and yeah we're, we're in the editing stage and uh, yeah uh, hopefully a lot more interviews to come we went to a really beautiful um, exhibition at the V&A with a, a photographer called Alistair Morrison um, on Monday last week he was doing a big it's called the the Adoration Trilogy yeah, featuring yeah, a lot of the, yeah. the rock gods so we're kind of hoping we might be able to tap some of those up well, fingers somewhere. crossed it's very big in Germany isn't he massive yeah. all, all across the continent and uh, Marcus last time I saw you was at Stowe Film Lounge for the London premiere of Shankly Nature's yeah, Fire it's great the Mike, Mike Todd documentary which is I think it's out 4th of December for anyone who's interested yes, to see it I think on it DVD might, it might still be on the iPlayer actually it was yeah, last yeah, week yeah. wasn't it that was a good night to show that actually especially with the manager merrying around of this week indeed indeed um, now Andrew the, um, there is there's news breaking today yeah, you're catching me on the hop here. I kind of feel like this is a bit like an intervention. We have an Everton fan with us this week. I thought, I this thought man needs help. I thought, I thought Everton needed help. Now, I mean, people listening to you speak will, will obviously understand that you're from where? Um, uh, a small town called Hebben, which is uh, just outside of Newcastle. Know it well. <laughs> and you live in East London and support Everton. I do, yeah. You're as confused as I am. Yeah, dude, I'm confused about many things in this world, but my uh, love of Everton is not one of them. Um, so how do you feel about being the team that, that gets the notch in the bedpost for first player to be book, uh, banned retrospectively for diving? Uh, a duplicitous. Um, I, when you told me this just before we went on air, I'd like yeah. to point out, um, yeah. I was pretty outraged. I mean, I, I'm, I hate diving, absolutely hate it in the game. Um, but that is an example of somebody getting hit and going down a bit soft. That is not a... That the is, classic Michael Owen he did, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, like that is, that, you see dives way worse than that <laughs> week in, week out. And some outrageous examples... 
On the other side, if it means that this is going to go on to become a thing that stamps out the game, then you know what? If we had to be the first, then so be it. He's your Winslow boy. Is he? He's your example, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame for us in that he's he's. It's exactly that kind of direct driving into the box and actually trying yeah. to do something. You're like, like a fellow that game. could score you a goal. <laughs> yeah, like, Mama, I wonder why he's not been playing. Oh, oh, we're supposed to score, are we? Okay. So which yeah. games is he missing then? Um, I'm not actually sure of the upcoming fixtures. he would be missing Derby, will I guess? I will guess so, yeah. Ooh, I mean, that would yeah. just tie it off all nicely. What do you think about diving, Chloe? Are you, are, you, are you worried about it? Do you think we needed to bring a law into football? I don't think we needed to bring a law in. I do think we need to eradicate it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I've seen more of that over recent years. Sometimes that's been against us. Sometimes it's been to our advantage. You know, I couldn't possibly comment on those, of course. Anders Limpar springs to mind. Yes, Anders Limpar does spring to mind, who actually, back in the day, was one of my favourites. Okay. So, um, favourite, yeah, one of your favourite divers. <laughs> one of my favourite players. Um, so, yes, he was partial to a little dive, admittedly. But I... I don't really like the way that they're starting to enforce sanctions, as it were. Mm. I just feel that we shouldn't need that level of intervention. Yeah. Um, and it does feel like they're making an example in your case. But what, what do we do without it, though? Because, like, I mean, like you can't dock them money because they don't care about that stuff. Mm. And like it seems like not playing is the only, the only way. I mean, it, it's saddening that, and it's maybe a bigger comment on humanity, that we can't have people play a game and do it with the good spirit that we should go through life with I don't, but I I don't, don't know think it's a, I, don't, I don't mind it I mean, I, what you, how do you think Marcus do you, do, you, do you think the Corinthian spirit is needed in football because think, the rest of the world doesn't think like that I don't remember as a kid watching you know following football it being ever talked about but I think it went on Yeah. but since the Premier League began and these foreign dandies have arrived oh really is it the foreigners and that's clearly what it is <laughs> but what, what always bothers me also as an Arsenal fan is the way that it's okay to let someone know you're there mm. whatever that means which oh, yeah. is which is violently which is violence actually <laughs> and that somehow it's like they're focused on diving which they should do but they haven't raised the interest in that it's like let's let them know we're there which is fouling that seems to be acceptable in the british premier league mm. and that i think is a problem more than diving for me because that does actually end end mm. end careers but a dive it doesn't always result in a goal true you know and it's like it's not the worst thing to pick on but I wish they'd pick on other things. Mm. That's what I think. But I think it is the modern world because there's technology, because you can dissect and analyse mm. stuff mm. after the event yeah. very, very easily. That's what I find yeah. difficult because what, what, it's in the moment and deal with it in the moment. And yeah. if you see it, you see it. And if you don't... Yeah, retrospectively seems unfair. Yeah. What, what's weird is that the more we seem to highlight it is the more it seems to happen. Yeah, it has yeah. It embarrassed, nobody's embarrassed yeah, they, about, about it at all. Yeah. Oh, well, well, you get away with it, it's fine. But that's, Don't but, worry about it. But that's why I mentioned Mindhunter. I'm, I'm hoping with Mindhunter they can look at fouls and they always say he didn't mean it and someone will go, he did mean it. <laughs> that's what I ho hope happens next with some of these fouls that are committed that are vicious fouls and they always say, all the pros, they say, oh, he didn't mean it. How do you know mm. that? How do you know he didn't mean it? And yeah, that's only, only been me. a few players who've been trying, like Paul Elliott got taken to court didn't he as a, as and Roy Keane famously said I did mean it I did mean yeah. it and he never got That's fair enough at least he was open yeah but other players we could name which we had against Arsenal they like they look like they mean it to me mm. and that never gets talked about against Norwich mm. with Sanchez last season that was a terrible foul never written about so I'm more worried about bad fouls and mm. bad dives personally. now now we, we, we're doing recording this the day after um, Liverpool miraculously let a 3-0 3-0 lead in the Champions League become 3-0 and uh, and the kiss of death was P 
people were starting to talk about Albert Moreno as uh, Moreno as a sort of steady Eddie seven out of ten player now, and he had his he had his classic brain fart. And being with two Arsenal fans, it reminds me a lot of the faith that Wenger showed in Abui <laughs> as a fullback. Can you see the parallels? <laughs> and was, and as, as watching Abui, was there ever moments where you thought, yeah, he should be in the team? There's a silence here which says everything. <laughs> there, there, there was possibly a few, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It, you did kind of shake your head and not really understand how yeah. he managed to just. He was the players. Bez of Arsenal at that time. That's it. That's he a good was the on stage He was Cressa for the Stone Roses. That's what he was. <laughs> you didn't really need him, but the other players liked him being there. Yeah. But when he was had, to, I mean, I remember against Liverpool against your team. He conceded a penalty in the ninth minute of extra time or added on time. That was a classic Ibuwe moment. But by all accounts, quite a character. Mm. But couldn't he have been, I don't know, a mascot or something? Mm. That would have been better for him, you know? On, on a more serious note from last night, it, 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 it emerged through the, the magic, obviously, social media that, that fans again in Spain, English fans again, were, were, were treated harshly by the uh, Spanish police, the, the Guardia Sevilla, as, as they're called. Um, and... It's interesting in this day and age, instead of it being the, 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 the condemnation of fans by everybody, including their own club, Liverpool have issued a statement saying they are interested in the facts about what happened so they can learn. And I guess that puts pressure on UEFA, doesn't it? Mm. Because if you come... I mean, you had the opposite, didn't you? Where a load of Cologne fans came to Arsenal to have a good time and everyone went, what are you doing having a good time as yeah, football fans? That's right. I mean, it didn't, it didn't end in violence. But how do you think... Why, why do you think still in 2017, English fans, Chloe, are treated differently when they go abroad? I just think it's that legacy. Mm. I think there's the perception that every football fan is a potential hooligan and particularly if you get them on the beer you know it's just going to erupt in violence and mm. most of the time it doesn't and I've been away with Arsenal I've been away abroad with Arsenal and never had any issues personally that you know I've experienced I've seen bits on the edges but I do think sometimes the policing is harsh when you're abroad and back to the Cologne game we were saying earlier weren't we actually it was a great atmosphere it was fun. It was they fun. were just there really to have was. a good time yeah. but immediately it's like oh my god they've been drinking they've got more seats than they should have they're here to call trouble and they just wanted to come and have a good time and mm. when you go to Germany everyone's there to have a good time you know yeah. it's a bit more civilised you have a beer you have your hot dog it's about being together singing all the way through mm. and, and that's just the culture there and I think that's what's missing There's a, they, they see English fans as a potential hooligans who are just going to get absolutely wasted mm. and then kick off I, I just remember as a kid there was a survey in East Anglia where I grew up about why people go abroad and, <laughs> and it was like hilarious because number four was like the sun number three was like not the paper by the way was like you know like the food number two was have a holiday number one was to fight seriously I think, yeah it was yeah. I, I can't google it I'll probably Later. But I think in the English working class mentality, there is the idea that part of it is to fight. I know a West Ham fan who said there was fighting in the Brighton game. Why would you fight against Brighton? I mean, I know that Palace don't like them, but there's some sort of rivalries you think that's really not right. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think maybe Seville have got an edge, but I don't know. It's an interesting question, isn't it? But it's Liverpool not, it's not that Liverpool fans were fighting with Seville fans. It was... I mean, I mean, looking at social media feed this 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 evening before I come here, you know, Brian Reed, a columnist for the um, for the Mirror, Mirror yeah. who's a fa very, you know, famous Liverpoolian and Liverpool fan, had a book confiscated for him on the way in. You know, <laughs> you kind of thinking so paperback books are a threat to. Uh, but the book was called How to Fight <laughs> the Real <laughs> Fans, Volume Two. <laughs> 
Well, no, look, look, looking back on the weekend then, because that's the sort of things that have happened while, while since I sort of wrote up a rough agenda for, for today. Um, North London Derby. Big day. Yeah, big day. Um, it felt like Invasion of the Body Snatchers to me, because I don't know where Tottenham went that I'd, that I'd seen previously this season. How did it feel from where you, I guess, your expectations of what Tottenham might or might not do? Oh, I'm always optimistic um, because I naturally try to be, but also I think in order to survive as an Arsenal fan these days, you have to have that optimism. Okay. Um, and ultimately, I would never go into a North London derby expecting that we were going to lose because it's just not in my makeup. I was slightly nervous about what might happen because it really pains me to say it, but you know, Tottenham are very strong and they've been playing very well and they've got some great players dare I say it and it was spot on actually what you just said about the body snatchers because I was surprised that they weren't stronger and more forceful Um, but at the same time I was really pleased about how confidently we played we played as a team we had firepower it didn't feel like we just limped through it which Mm. recently can sometimes be the case and when um, Kane and Diali got subbed I just felt like they give up I just took that and I, I, where I sit at Arsenal is in front of the away dugout and I just couldn't believe it. That was almost to me like they were admitting defeat. That was, we're not going to mm. actually even go for a draw on this. Um, but you're right, they just weren't as strong as I think we've seen them. They obviously did well last night. Great from my perspective because, you know, we've always had a good run against Spurs despite what... 11, 11 win bounce, yeah. 11 on the win. Yeah. That's the most ever. Yeah. yeah. Most ever. They've had home. two wins in 32 attempts in the... So your optimism it's actually really, It's really impressive, right but it's that. such a big game. You know, it's bitter rivalry. Um, mm. And to actually get that win, for me, that is one of the games of the season, regardless. So Marcus, has the tide turned north of Euston Station? Or was that just you reaffirming yourself for one game? I, my, my feeling about it is, is that you must know as an Everton fan, there's certain narratives get creative. And at, at the moment, with, you know, like with Tottenham, they're supposedly the best team in the world a little bit, which isn't their <laughs> fault, by the way. But the way they're being written about, and even the match day coverage was hilarious. If, I mean, if you're into it, well, I wouldn't bother doing it now, but the coverage was like, it was like Pravda. It was so different to what really happened in the game. And that interests me as somebody that likes football for any team. Mm. The way your team is portrayed, it's lazy journalism, I think, to say that they were going to be so great. Mm. Because... They're all right. I mean, they've, you know, they're beating Real Madrid, who aren't a great Real Madrid team at the moment, personally. Mm. Dortmund aren't that good. But the narrative is they're suddenly... And they've won nothing. And that's not their fault. And football moment is so heightened. It's like that Michelin web sketch, that everything is so heightened. Mm. If you're not careful, we get caught up in it. But you've still yeah. got to watch football as well, Everton I mean, fan, you, you know? Take, you take Kane and Ali out of that team, as they did at the weekend, and you just said it looked like defeat, because who comes on for them? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And there's part of that front line that I struggle sometimes to work out how they score so many goals yeah it is it feels like he's, he's but like it's just ball. Harry Kane he just yeah. he just hits the target but as an objective observer as you are and yeah. that game um, it wasn't a foul on Sanchez for the free kick and <laughs> Mustafi was off, and Mustafi was offside wasn't he <laughs> marginally <laughs> offside marginally. I mean, that is yeah. offside marginally or not yeah I mean uh, the whole marginal <laughs> thing I, what was it was it like Ten years ago, we used to have this rule where you had to have a bit of space. Yeah. I always thought that was the most common sense because splitting that stuff down the, the line is mm. it's almost impossible and you're just going to get stuff wrong and people debate about it and it just creates needless nonsense. But never, yeah, never, ever, ever in a million years a foul. And, or and a dive, for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> B- 
But it, it was that like I think it was the fifth game that Ozil, Sanchez, and Lacazette have played together. Yes. And that looks like a formidable force. Take- Definitely. Definitely. I've been very, very impressed with Lacazette. And I think Ozil gets a lot of bad press. And I feel that when you watch the game live as, as a fan, it's a different experience to what you see when you watch it He on gets the, the Chris Waddle presser thing, which is, which is he doesn't run around like a lunatic, so therefore he must care. If, <laughs> if Ozil was English, they would love him. Yeah. If, if he was in a hoddle or playing yeah. that way, they would love him. But there is the narrative again. If you've got a foreign manager of foreign players, the narrative is they're somehow lazy mm. cheats that don't work hard enough. And what they want is an idiot running around for 90 minutes. Mm. And that's the problem, is that that's not what you see when you watch a game. You can yeah. tell. Is it not a bit know? more complex than that, though? Because like, I, I, when Ozil is great, I'm like, man, that guy, like, what a footballer. But there are far too many... I don't want that many Arsenal games from start to finish, but there was far too often, unless I'm just unlucky and pulling them out the drawer, but <laughs> I, like... Oh, he's on the pitch, is he? And and like and that for me as a player who you put so much faith in and is so important and integral into your attacking force is just not good enough. And I think I think obviously in the Arsenal case it's highlighted so much because you have Sanchez who is the opposite of that, mm. who is busy and yeah, everywhere and always yeah. looks and he has that other side to his game and I think it obviously he falls foul of Well maybe well Chloe was saying there that when so when you're in the ground then, what are you seeing in Ozil that maybe even in those games where it looks apparently like He's not succeeding. What What are you seeing that makes you think, well, it's worth having him in the so team? So I think that he does work hard and there's mm. a lot of off-the-ball running he does and getting in position. And I don't generally watch football on the TV because mm. I go to the games. Yeah. But I do wonder whether then the coverage that they have, that, that off-the-ball stuff you don't see. And yes, granted, my sort of motto is that any world-class player is going to have the time when they're off. And actually, that's one of the most frustrating things because you can have an absolute world-class player who's so awesome and then they might have the odd game where they mm. a- appear to do absolutely nothing mm. and you just can't get your head around it. But that's their right because they're so world-class. Yeah. They're occasionally like that. But I just feel that he does get a lot of criticism mm. and... He does work hard. You know, well, with I mean, the let's face it, your, your average um, uh, couch-sitting coach, as they are sat at home watching it on the telly, not only don't they get to see that movement, but it's not the most talked-about part of the game, as integral as it yeah, is. Who, it's always about all the work who has the ball. The only time you really hear about movement is I, off the ball, and, yeah. and there's, there isn't enough conversation, I think, in analysis of, of how you find and space think, and what you do, and he is one of those drifters who, who does do it well. And I think his figures are as good as De Bruyne this season, oh, right, which okay. you wouldn't know. I mean, I, I mean, De Bruyne is Jesus at the moment, yeah, yeah, which is yeah, fine. Yeah. That's the narrative. And Ozil, I had problems with him in some way, but generally, I'd rather have him in our team than not our team. I'd, but, rather, I'd rather have him but, in the Ericsson. talking about movement, you know? though, in that, in that North London derby, I've not, I didn't see... I watched the City game all the way through with Arsenal and I watched most of the, the North London derby and I've never seen you I didn't see you press like that before you were you, Arsenal were on everything weren't they Marcus this last season against Chelsea we did it didn't we yeah. and we do it occasionally and that's what worries me about, about any football club like with West Ham yeah. the other day why don't they try harder hmm. how can you be a manager now and motivate people to try harder hmm. because if they're earning more money than you're earning like with Shankly as you said in that documentary hmm. That's the problem in football is that these players, if they don't want to do it, like at City, it's all going well, but it won't always. Yeah. Because that's the problem we've got is these players, they're like millionaire movie producers in a way. They can do whatever they want. That's partly why they're covered in tattoos, more money to spend on things, you know. But I think watching it as a fan, 
when they're motivated, it shocks you, but it shouldn't be. It's like that Dennis mm-hmm. Skinner documentary. They, they should be doing that anyway. Mm. Why are we so excited when they work really hard? But it is odd, isn't it? Because it was apparent, it was really apparent, mm. Chloe, that Arsenal weren't going to let... It was, that's why I say the invasion of the body snatchers is like, it, you were doing what Tottenham have done to everybody else, which is pounce on a team in their own half. And that was great to see, because I think sometimes that sort of lethargy does kick in. Yeah. And I understand why people from the outside perhaps look at it as, you know, footballers are paid so much and they then they don't deliver. And on, a, on an ongoing basis, that can mm. easily be the case. But yeah, there was that desire to actually work as a team and to get that result. And I think sometimes, sadly, I mm. see that that's lacking mm. in Arsenal performances. And that isn't that doesn't sit well with me because as mm. long as you try hard, yeah. then that's, yeah. you know, if you don't get the result, fair enough. But it's you've got to have that passion and desire. And I would always hope that in the North London mm. derby they would have that. Sure. Is, is a lot of that narrative, like just talking about this idea of injecting narratives on a club, which is something that happens through discussions like this and obviously through our favourite pundits. But... There has obviously been, a, over the past couple of years, that sense of Arsenal slightly falling short, and that creates that negative dialogue. And obviously, as an Everton mm. fan, like this season, there was slight high hopes by the amount of money we've spent. Slightly? Yeah, mm. yeah all right, all right. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, one thing we've very rarely fallen short on is that effort, particularly as a hangover from the Moyes era. But, I mean, it just went this year. It just completely disappeared, and... I, I I almost can't watch it at the moment. Well, let's let's and, let's let's get on to that because I think that the um, it's it's I mean Ferguson famously sort of describes the kind of March April period as his squeaky bum time where the team that's going to win the league is going to be the one that holds its nerve. And that is his one quote, by the way. Oh, no, no. Well, I'm going to I'm going to hijack. I'm going to hijack it. Other managers have got loads of quotes. He's got one quote. And I like Ferguson in a funny way, well, it's a bit, but that's it's it. like postcard, isn't it? Squeaky bum time. That wouldn't even be on Channel 5 as a TV show, would it, you know? Well, look, I'm using it to illustrate a point, so, so let me go, Mark. I'm scared about what this point is. <laughs> no, this is I'm, the right podcast, by the way. <laughs> I'm thinking a, a, a game, it, it seems to be now every year that games 8 to 12 are squeaky bum time for the teams that... Have you, have you got under, some stats for us? Under, no, that's, that's <laughs> oh, as much right, I can okay. give you. Yeah. That the, the, uh, the underperformance start going, we need to get rid of our manager. So on the, on the first one to fire that gun was obviously Palace, um, who, who were uh, panicking, who made their big decision on what was going to be the change of how they're going to play football. And that lasted eight games. Mm. Um, and uh, Hodgson's been in and... Got a massive four, five points, I think, since yeah. in ten games. So yeah. the revolution hasn't happened quite there. Yeah. Um, while we were while we were waiting to do this podcast, Poulis got sacked from West Brom. Yeah. Um, we've had um, we've had Moyes come in for Bilic and have his first game, and now Everton for some reason are waiting a month, and they've still we've had we've had names come in and out the door. Allardyce has said they weren't respectful enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> who would have thought that Allardyce would be upset I mean, about someone being disrespectful I mean, petal, and petal as well. <laughs> how, does it feel, I mean, how does it feel from that point? A, a club that I was looking at where, how long clubs took. Like I think it was one day between De Boer going and Hodgson coming in. When when Rogers went, it was four days between um, Rogers going and Klopp coming mm. in. 
you're a month in now and Unsworth's saying I'll do it as long as you want me to yeah well I think I mean I think some of those other examples you've talked about have been stuff being done behind doors before they're ready to sack somebody and mm. lining people up which you might say is smart business you might not I think I think for a football club it would yeah I mean I, th- I think we sacked Koeman with a heavy heart you know like I think everyone believed that he was going to be the man that had that right balance of a kind of tactical and defensive nounce but also with a reputation to bring in some solid players to kind of move us forward but I mean losing Lukaku has just been such mm. a haul that I don't think anybody could really fill for us um, we'll just hold that thought for a sec yeah we'll go to an ad break the whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks Welcome back. You were saying there about Lukaku being a void you couldn't fill. And we desperately, desperately tried, I think. I don't know. Like, that's all you hear. But, I mean, how, I think, how can you replace those I kind of th- those kind of goals? Because he's the kind of player, in a little bit like we were just talking about Kane earlier, who can just score goals. Yeah. And you don't have to play well as a team. It's a bit like Crouch used to be. Like, mm. I always used to hate watching him and malign the fact that he ever played for England. But he used to score goals. And you can't... And that's what the game is about. Well, what you did was what Tottenham did when they lost Sol Bale. Yeah. It's like losing Clint Eastwood and getting Michael Madsen and yeah. Ralph Macchio, whatever. <laughs> I mean, there's, that you there, bought there, these other. There still is that analogy fine. with Tottenham of like we, you know, it took a lot of those Tottenham players a long time to kind of really settle in, and some of them have stayed, them went, and if some of them yeah. went on, but it's still they still then recycled mm. that money to sell and buy in other but players. How does it feel though? With, with you know, like as uh, Everton, I mean, we talk, we've been keep using the word narrative, mm. and Everton getting talked into the toilet at the minute yeah, aren't they? yeah. I mean the I, I think I think there was obviously a lot of excitement when the money came in mm. um, and it was this summer was all about how we were going to spend it and I think perhaps almost we got a little bit excited in the sweetie shop and just started picking things up without yeah. really thinking about I mean we bought three number tens you know yeah. like, and spent an insane amount of money on those players and none of them have really settled in mm. Um and there hasn't really been a thought of what we were what we were missing. But it's what's your gap, isn't it? And, and then yeah. what's what's logical for that requirement? Yeah. And I think I there mean, can be a bit of oh, we've got some cash, let's just splash it. I wonder, yeah, but that's well. not necessarily the answer. I mean, I think I think one of the key pieces that he wanted sounded like he wanted, among others, was Giroud. And I think obviously he, either he didn't want to go or Arsenal didn't want to let him go. And I think that may have made a huge difference to the team because the other thing is with us is like everyone's talked about how it's not worked, but everyone forgets that I think if you look at the top current top six, six or seven I think we played everyone bar Liverpool in the first yeah, yeah. ten games and you got the draw against City and you know when at the a second game the second or third game of the season mm-hmm. when things were you know the optimism was there we put in a pretty resilient stint against City mm. but you can only play against those top teams for so long and not pick up points before people start to look around the dressing room and go and confidence drops and then I mean ultimately I think the first bad result we really had on paper was the home game to Burnley and then you look at them they're best of the rest at the moment yeah 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 so like it was you're talking like eight or nine games in before we'd even had a bad result I wonder where Bill Kenwright fits in because he's a great romantic owner isn't he and and this is new money for him I think that's why it's taken so long because I think he, he now feels like we're not you know most of my adult life we've had Moyes um and I was obviously very sad to see him go Um, and we've tried a little bit of chop and changing recently and I, I think he's probably thinking I want 
something long term and he wants something that's going to last you know i wonder so. whether he called Moyes last week and sounded him out you know yeah. because you think west ham's not a good fit for Moyes. it can't be well <sighs> Dyke Dy- has fallen by the seems to fall by the way yeah so. i mean, I mean why, would he, why would he go anywhere yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I mean he's the outstanding manager of the season so far surely like burnley are punching way above their does pulis's sacking mean mean there's a vacancy at your place for him i uh, if Allardyce, if Allardyce was mooted, it's sort of mm. it's same. If if all that matters mm. is staying up this season, I, he's the man for the job. In yeah. in all honesty, like I've I've always quite liked Tony Pulis for what he does with what he's got, but he's never been handed a, a, a cash cow to work with. Mm. He's never been handed a kind of bigger club, and so we don't know. He's relatively an unknown as to how he would handle yeah. that. Bear in mind, we're still talking about we've still got some money and we want to mm. try and push forward to try and break that top six or seven. Um, which obviously this season sounds like a long way off um, and I don't know what more we'd get more than a motivator and it seems like Unsworth has come in and that's the one thing you could say about performances well already, yeah you know like it's, it's, it, it is that motivational element and I kind of like are, is it biding time to January I mean would you give him a bunch of money in January you probably wouldn't maybe other than trying to get some mm. kind of striker in on loan Possibly. I mean, who's available? Do you think, do you, I mean, I, I, used that, I compared it to the squeaky bum town the other mm. season. Do you think it was the right thing for Everton to do, or should should they have gone? Look, we let this man spend all this money. He's going to find the way to make it work. I think what was disappointing, like I hate seeing managers get sacked, but I think what was disappointing is that it wasn't moving on. We weren't trying anything mm. new, and it just was getting really, really depressing to watch. Mm. Um, and. It was screaming out for pace, you know, and you've well, got players like, August, you know, Morales and, you know, um, he's allowed Dillafield to go away and, you know, obviously Balassi's injured and Lennon's had a bit of a tough time, but you're like, there's players there to it kind of bring Lukaku. in. that's what you're right, that's what mm. you've missed, it's like, how do you solve a problem like Maria? It was Lukaku. You just lose Lukaku and you've lost well, something. It makes you wonder how much Lukaku masked over a lot of other problems, which I mm. think were there. You know, yeah. like I was never really that 100% happy last year, um, even though we kind of pulled it all together in the end. But And he was hungry as well, Lukaku. He wanted to go to another club, so he was playing mm. like that. And that's, and that's what you lose, you know. It's like the, the Magnificent Seven without Yul Brynner mm. or Steve McQueen. It's not the same. It's the same thing there. Mm. Now, did you, did you see... Um, what were your feelings about the not red card that Vincent Company wasn't receiving for what was clearly, to my eyes, a red that card? That was definitely a red card. And the only thing that I can suggest is because it was so early in the game, it just mm. yeah. kind of got overlooked. Yeah, it, because it the game wasn't really in full flow. You know, you're just starting off, therefore... Mm. Is it's that one of the, the oddest rules, not rules, it's one of the oddest givens Un, in football, unspoken, isn't it? Unspoken, yeah. yeah. Which is too early. That's too a early card in the, the second rules. half. That, oh, we'd been off for that in the second half. Yeah, yeah it's completely too. unspoken, but it, it's definitely there. We all know it, don't we? Well, that's what United did against Arsenal with the Skulls here, was yeah. that you know, he'd be sent on to kick lumps out of Reyes in the first act, and then mm. when Arsenal would, would respond... And again, it's something that commentators don't mind it. You'll hear Lawrenson say it. It's like, oh, well, you know, that's an early one. It's like, mm. it's not in the laws of the game. It's in the back <laughs> of the referee's handbook. It's in like some secret, like kind of secret ink that you've got to hold and research. We saw Mike. Mike Dean doing that on Sunday saying, that's your second one. Yeah. That's your third one. Yeah, like, if a teacher did that, <laughs> imagine what schools would be like, you know? You had, we had uh, two sort of long-term injury returns this weekend. One of them doing a great turn for... Um, for Bournemouth, Callum Wilson. I mean, looking at his injury record, the poor fella. He had like two more or less 
six or seven months stints out. So it must, I mean, when you've not got anything else to do, it must drive you mad. And then you've got Zlatan coming back from injury. And uh, I was surprised that the the love for Zlatan that one year at United has achieved. I don't know. Chloe, what do you, what do you think the standing ovation was about? So I think that Zlatan is like this pantomime character okay. that when you used to go as a kid at Christmas mm-hmm. and they, the baddie would come on the stage and you'd boo and hiss at him. And I think because he's this larger-than-life, bold, outspoken character, mm-hmm. you know, the internet is awash with all of these random quotes that he said and he thinks he's God and it doesn't matter who wins the World Cup because we're not in it Lions don't recover like humans he said yes that was the other one you know he's a lion and he got he got a lion he got a lion's welcome but I think he's he to a point plays a character and in my opinion the only people that like Man United are Man United fans and they're kind of become Mm -hmm. this this sort of persona of you know, we're quite hardened to it. We don't really care. We're bad. And we like it that everyone hates us. And I think that he just, this character that he portrays just plays into that. I must admit, I was, I always found him a bit of an arrogant twat before he came to the Premier League. Mm. But I think having him closer to home is, is I've really, I've really, really warmed to him. I'd have him in the team. Yeah, I, yeah, I think he's wonderful. I remember seeing the goals he scored against Arsenal for Barcelona, which was brilliant. Goals against Almunia. Not hard, I guess, but... He was a great player, and you know you need players like that. And like you say, I'd rather have him than we had Bentner. Mm. Now I know everyone's talking about the potential for the Invincibles um, for City at the moment. They look like they can, apart from their their drop points against Everton. Um, but r- running them for second at the minute, the sort of head of the rest of the bunch is United. And I don't know about you, Andrew, but they they don't seem to have broke sweat United, and they're second. I mean, you're right. I think I think the first they opened with a bang at the start of the season yeah. and looked very, very, very tasty, particularly going forward. And they haven't conceded many goals at home at all. And obviously, Pogba, Pogba dropping out, I think, was a big miss, and mm. that's something they'll have to address because I think in recent seasons they have looked very uncertain in midfield about where they want to play matter, where mm. they want Herrera what Carrick's role still could be and, and it's looked weak but I think Matic and uh, Pogba are two unbelievable signings in the past two years and they look solid they've got a little bit of everything in there and he I've, all of last season I was like when is Pogba going to start mm. producing something because he's got it all mm. um, and yeah I think he, just him waltzing back in this weekend and dancing around a bit and he looks yeah. like the spirit of adventure for United yeah, doesn't yeah, he? he I think United have got more charisma than City on the pitch actually really I really do. I don't like United there's definitely a physicality about they, them that I think they're like AC Milan in the, in the 80s more adaptable. something about them they all look a spine something about them they look like real players mm. and that's what City at the moment they're a project City which is doing really well but United look like they look like Superheroes, you know. Mm. Now, your your Arsenal are away at Burnley this weekend. Yes. Which aeons ago that would I wouldn't even be like a threat to Arsenal, but but Burnley at home and Burnley this season are like beating all comers and scoring against everyone. So does that represent after the joys of the North London derby? It's almost like we could do without this because you're away in are you away in Europe this week or yeah we're away tomorrow to Mm. Cologne yeah Um, we probably could Um, it's there's a a risk we might arsenal it up as I call it because (laughs) it should be a guaranteed three points but we all know that 
you know, when we're away to some of these teams that actually just have that grit and metal to dig out a result and have got that desire and passion, um, you know, that can leave us wanting. Mm. So I'm I'm optimistic that we can beat them, um, but there could be a surprise. Well, last year it was a handball, wasn't it, yeah. from Kachelny? Um, oh, by the way, I, I say clop it up now. <laughs> Because I think Klopp has taken over the old Arsenal 4-0 up, 4-4 four, four draw thing for me. There's something, back back to the narrative, that there is something in the fact that, like you said about last night, yeah. you talked about Everton and mm. players not trying. It's like, Burnley, we should try. And if we try, we'll be all right. If we don't try, but isn't that for every game? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. It's incredible should we accept be. that. Oh, like, Pulis, he's well organised. Shouldn't all teams be well organised? Yeah. It's like a restaurant that's clean. That's I mean, nothing to recommend it, is it? I, you think, know? I think just looking at the league there, what's interesting about the potential for this game is if Arsenal do win it, open, you're currently level on Burnley mm. on 22 points and that will open up that gap which will just put that marker in of like, here's your top six teams and everyone else is pretty much fighting a second mm. division there. Like, mm. it's insane. I mean, if, if we're talking about how badly Everton are doing, if we're five points behind Watford who are in eighth... Hmm. And, yeah, a, but, and a couple of wins and you're you know all well Bournemouth is all, evidence of that isn't it Bournemouth were like going nowhere they've had a couple yeah, of wins and now yeah, they're safe as yeah. houses in, and, in relative you know terms. there's always a team that starts punching above their weight mm. in that early part of the season and then it starts to plateau a little bit and pre- in previous seasons those teams have gone on to get pretty close to the relegation battle so be interesting to see what happens and what about your trips to Southampton Everton I mean they they can't score a goal so you might be quite safe defensively (laughs) I was chatting to my uh, my new flatmate who's a Southampton fan and we decided that this could potentially be the most boring game in (laughs) Premier League history you meant to (laughs) sell the product and it's on on telly I think so everyone can join us and watch it (laughs) we will probably watch it together and cry amongst ourselves yeah I mean we're showing a bit more fight. I think it's a good game for us in that they can't score. And frankly, if we can't score against them, then I don't know, I might just give up. Okay. Well, look, that's been the Whistleblowers. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Marcus. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others, and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk, and we're also available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Acast, and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.